There were a number of you that were watching online last week, and many of you who are streaming, and those of you, uh, obviously most of you are doing that this morning. I'll remind you again that uh, Sermon.net seems to be having a little bit of trouble, so if you're watching it on the app, or you're watching it on your computer through Sermon.net or through the website, and it's not exactly working right, jump on over to our Facebook page. Uh, seems to have a little more uh, consistency with the stream there, so we've got a couple of different avenues for you to watch that. As we were streaming last week, uh, several of you commented that you were concerned for me. And the reason you were concerned was because I was sure sniffling an awful lot. Uh, Most of you will notice that I wear a mic that's right along the edge of my face. And I will assure you that I'm 100% okay. Uh, This is a bad time to be in the middle of a pandemic and have seasonal allergies. And uh, so many people, uh, a couple of people rather, just commented, say, why don't you uh, go ahead and just pause and blow your nose? And the reason I didn't is because of the visual that that presents of uh, blowing your nose in the middle of a pandemic. So uh, your patience is is greatly appreciated. We very much understand that we're all learning in this together. We're all sort of um, failing forward, but we're moving forward, and that's the point. Hey, the other day I was at Walmart. seemed like with everybody else in Wichita. And as I was going along one aisle, I was looking for some vitamins. And I was going down the aisle, and this is before the social distancing had pretty much been commanded by everyone and everywhere. And I was going down the aisle, this elderly lady was coming down the same aisle in the opposite direction. I could tell that she was having trouble finding something. And so I said, well, hey, what are you looking for? And she told me. And so we looked together. And we did eventually find the vitamin that she was looking for, and uh, we got that for her. And then she asked, well, what are you looking for? And I told her, and, and she helped me find what I was looking for. And as we were sitting there, uh, each with the items that we had come for, having realized that the strangeness that had happened in the world coming together, two people, two strangers, who before in a Walmart aisle probably would, never would have talked to each other, barely maybe even made eye contact, but here we were helping each other uh, with our needs. And as we were talking, she was, as I said, an elderly lady, and she looked at me and smiled, and she said, it's going to be okay. We're all in this together. That phrase resonated with me uh, throughout that, the rest of that week and the rest of this week. And believe it or not, long before this, uh, all of this happened with coronavirus, uh, I was actually titled my message this morning, We're All in This Together. That uh, phrase uh, was the title of a series uh, for, that we were talking about families And this phrase, we're all in this together, I was speaking about the way in which not only is the physical family, but as the spiritual family of God, we're all tied together in this. We all have a vested interest in one another, and that's how God designed it to be. It's always interesting how God and the Holy Spirit works in these matters. Long before this had all ever happened, I had that phrase in mind as the title of the sermon, and more and more over the past several days, uh, that phrase has been being used. I want you to understand that this morning, that we are all in this together. Most people get frightened and afraid and scared and panicky when they feel alone, when they feel like they have no resources. But have you, have you noticed how much more we are coming together? 
how we are, even in the midst of uh, terrible things, pulling together. It reminds us that God created us to be social creatures and that we need one another. I want to encourage you to think that way this week. As you are going about your lives, whether you're in your homes or going to the store for some needed supplies, I hope that you will have a mindset to look for the good. I received this email uh, recently from a, a friend, actually one of the shepherds here at Northside. He wrote this, came from his, one of his people in management where he works, this email. He wrote, I firmly believe there is a reason for everything that has ever happened in my life. This week, I have eaten healthier than I ever have before. This week, I sat down with my family and had a home-cooked meal for the last four straight days. This week, I contacted my largest two customers and other businesses and had great conversations, not at all about business. That was fantastic. This week, I fell in love with the company and the leadership that I work for, and I felt an immense amount of gratitude toward them. This week, I was able to slow down and take inventory of what is immensely important. Among all the world's anxiety, panic, and fear, I am extremely calm and beyond fired up for the future. I love that positive attitude. When my uh, wife... She bought her, we bought our car that we drive as a family, a, a Jeep Cherokee. It's a little gray Jeep Cherokee, and, and she really enjoys that car. It works well for all her purposes. But I remember when she bought it, she began commenting about all the other gray Jeep Cherokees that she began seeing around town. Now, now did all of a sudden all those gray Jeep Grand Cherokees just pop up out of nowhere? Well, no. They were always there, but now that she had one, she began to look out for other ones. That's mindset. If we, in the coming days and weeks, have a mindset that is negative and panicky and fearful, well, you can be sure that we're going to see all the things we're looking for. We're going to look for all the reasons to be afraid. We're going to look for all the reasons to be panicked. But if we have a mindset that looks for the good, the gentleman in the email If we have a mindset that seeks out, yes, bad things are happening, but what is the good that we're seeing? Rest assured, that's what we will see. This morning, I want us to focus on the good. And I want to give you a couple of things, a few scriptures and an application, and then we'll wrap up. The first thing I want you to realize is that God is still with us in this. God didn't stop being with us uh, when coronavirus came into play. His presence is here just as much as ever. His hand is still working, maybe even in greater ways than we have ever seen. Throughout the pages of Scripture, the Old Testament and the New, God reminds his people again and again and again that he is with them. Now, if you're following along at home, And I hope that you are. I hope you have your Bibles open, be that one like this or on your phone. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, the context of it is simply that there's a change happening. They're moving from the leader that they had known and loved for a generation to a new leader. And for a group of people, that is hard. And so there is this promise 
given, and we read from Deuteronomy chapter 31, and God says this, the Lord, uh, rather, uh, Moses said this, the Lord will give them over to you, this is verse 5, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be, do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. I love that. In the midst of change, in the midst of, of trials for a people, in the midst of changing leadership, God says, listen, it doesn't matter who's in charge. I'm still with you. And that's what matters. And I think that application is certainly true for us today. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the scripture that we read last week. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, that Joshua is in with his people. And he reminds them of what Moses had told them. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua just simply reminding them what Moses had just told them and and what God had really started in the first place, that God is still with them. No doubt you know the 23rd Psalm. Most everyone knows that, but, but I want you to hang on this for just a minute. Turn to Psalm chapter 23 and read how David describes his shepherd. Psalm chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David was reminded again and again in his life, uh, his life was not all a bowl of cherries, as we know the story of David. He had been through some hard things. And yet the consistent thing in that life, in his life, was not him. Even David wasn't consistent. But the only consistent thing in David's life was him, was his shepherd. And through through the green valleys... Through the still waters and even through the valleys of the shadow of death. He didn't have to worry because God was with him. I love that. And may we be reminded that God is still the same God who's with us. I was reading um, Psalm 139 yesterday, and I was using this app called the Dwell app. D-W-E-L-L. If you, if you don't have it, it, you should download it. It's really neat. It's, it's basically uh, an audio Bible app, but has all these different readers and all these different playlists, and uh, it's totally free. Uh, they've freed it up for the next 60 days. It's a wonderful part if you don't have a, a Bible app. And anyway, I was listening to this, uh, Psalm 139, a psalm that, that I've read many times before, and David here writing again. He says this, verse 7 of Psalm 139, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, 
you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. David understood. David understood that from the beginning of his life, even before the beginning of his life, in the womb, God was there. And that long after his life is over, God would still be there. The book of Isaiah, chapter 41. Isaiah, the prophet, writing to God's people. He says, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. And look what he says. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God promised that for his people. He promised that for all of his people, that he would be there. Is there anything more comforting than having someone there? I don't know about you, but right now in the, in the social distancing practice, there's something within me that desires fellowship with other people. There's something relational that, that is being, I mean, this, that, that cup is kind of empty right now. And, and just being in the presence of my family helps that. Being around other people, even when there's limits on that, is comforting. I'm, I know that these are strange days right now. Watching church online is, is weird. And, and doing that where we're all sort of disconnected and distance, that's a, that's a hard, hard thing to get used to. But I believe it's only temporary. Can you imagine with me the day that the restrictions are lifted? What the world will be like? Can you imagine the first Sunday following those lifted restrictions? I think this building will be full to overflowing. I think people will shake hands and smile at each other like they'd never have before. I think there will be more hugs than we have ever experienced before in our lives because we know what it is not to have that. It's good to have the presence of someone and even in the times when we are limited with that, we, may we be comforted by the presence of God, which is never left, regardless of the circumstances in the world, God is still with us. This is the whole promise of Scripture. In fact, Matthew, the first chapter, uh, Matthew, the first chapter, where we're being introduced to how close God was going to get to us. Matthew chapter 1. The, the, the scripture that we think about with the incarnation. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name. You remember what it was? Emmanuel. Which means God with us. You see, the whole story of scripture is from the garden where there was this separation. The eternal social distancing. Not between us, but between uh, human beings, but between God and Adam and the descendants of Adam. Now, the rest of the story is the story of God coming closer. Little by little, first it's through the mountain. He, he comes down to the mountain and he, he asks just a select few to ascend up. Then it's in the 
tabernacle as the dwelling of God is among the people. Then it's with the more t- permanent structure with the temple. You see, in each of those, those changes, God was getting closer and closer. It wasn't that we were getting closer to him. He was getting closer to us. And now, in the moment where God becomes flesh, the name of Jesus was to be Emmanuel. God with us. A reminder that he never left us. Oh, we left him, but that didn't stop him from pursuing us. And just as he was with us then, he is with us now. Now, we of course know that Jesus is no longer in this world, but remember what he said. Same book, book of Matthew, turn to the very end, going from the very beginning to the very end. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Now, I know we think, well, it sure would be nice to have Jesus with us. Well, well, you need to understand that that's exactly the case. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. These these are the final words according to Matthew's account. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, was that the final promise of Jesus? Well, it was the second to last promise of Jesus. What's the last one? Look at the end of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has not stopped being with us and with his people. And there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from that great love. Turn to Romans chapter 8. A scripture that I've read so many times. But now I read with new eyes. Romans chapter 8 verses 37 through the end of the chapter. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor present nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, and I'll add to that, nor worldwide viruses will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May you understand, above all things, that God is absolutely still with us. And that gives us great hope. The question has never been, is God with us? Oh, his promise is as sure and faithful as the sunset and the sunrise. That he would always be with us. The question is, are we with him? Will we be faithful to him? Will we draw near to him? Brothers and sisters all over the world and around the nation. We've been given a tremendous opportunity, a huge blessing of time to be able to be with him. Yesterday, I asked the question on my Facebook page, what good are you seeing in the world? What good have you noticed since all of this has happened? And several people have said, I've opened my Bible more than I have in a long, long time. My prayer life has increased and strengthened. My personal worship and devotion to the Lord Stronger than it has ever been. Oh, those are good things. Now, it shouldn't take a pandemic to get us there. But that we are here and that it's brought us closer to him. May we not forget that he is still in this with us. 
All right. That being true, what about us? Well, here's, here's the truth. The second truth is we are in this together. The church as God's people has always been a group of people who were focused on one another. You go through and study all of the one another passages, give to one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, love one another, certainly. All of the one another passages which remind us that we are designed to be connected together. Turn to 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 12. The scriptures tell us quite plainly this truth. Paul compares the people of God to a body, a human body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and following. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. While our presentable parts do not require, but God has composed the body, giving greater honors to the parts that lacked it, so that there may be no division in the body, but the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, one all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Can I ask just for a minute for those running the cameras, if you'll take the, the camera off of me and, and go wide for just a minute and take a picture of our auditorium this morning. If you're seeing the empty auditorium, you'll notice, as all those here do, this is a strange sight. I've seen some people comment, well, I can't believe all these churches are closing. No, 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 no. No. Don't misunderstand. Church is not closed. The buildings are. But the church, (laughs) the church is stronger than ever. I've seen the church rise to this occasion in some magnificent and wonderful ways. I asked yesterday on the private Family of God group for uh, Northside members how they had seen the church work, and it was Amazing. Before I share with you some of those examples, I, I want you to read for us, uh, with, uh, with me, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and following. Luke describes the early church this way. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles, and all who believed were together, and all th- had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, the church is not closed these days. And by the way, if you haven't taken a picture of your family worshiping with us, worshiping online with us, I hope that you'll do that and put it in the comments. Because, and, and I hope you'll scroll those comments and interact and like them because you're getting to see the church in action. The church in 2020 <laughs> looking so much like the first church of the first century. That's exciting to me. Yes, it's different. Yes, it's causes to have to, to get creative and innovative, but in all of that creativity, uh, certainly the first century church didn't have Facebook Live and Sermon.net and all of that and live streaming, but this is how it looked. And as I look around today and I see the church in action, this is what I'm seeing. There's no need. People are serving one another. People are in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. I asked yesterday, as I said, how did they see the church in action? And uh, several people commented, and I wanted to share. Uh, Amanda Bogart, who works up here at the local Walmart, had helped some of our seniors learn to do online shopping. Yesterday, personally, I had a voicemail, <laughs> lots of calls, and one voicemail in particular is from a guy who's here this morning, John Nelson. And he called and he left a voicemail and he just said, I just want you to know that I'm with you, that I'm praying for you, and that you are not alone. That's a church. There have been so many people who have been willing to run errands. I see people popping up on the family group all the time, uh, in Realm, uh, in email. Who needs something? Uh, Jamie Womack made an offer. Laura Atwater, Linda Dops, Missy Womack put her phone number out there. Call us. We're willing to come and help and willing to do anything. Guys, that is the church being the church and being the church that Christ called us to be. Catherine Mitby, who is a, a wonderful cook, has a business where she runs catering. She's making free meals for any senior that needs it that may not have the ability to get out, she's delivering meals to their home for free. That's a church. Uh, The other evening, as we were sitting around in our uh, levering quarantine, and there was a ring at the doorbell. Of course, we're wondering, what is this? We didn't order any DoorDash or Uber Eats. And, And I opened the door, and there's John Dunham. Of course, he's backing away, you know, practicing social distancing. But there on the ledge next to our door was a homemade loaf of bread that Lori had made. That's the church. That's the goodness of the church. Breaking bread and with sincerity and gladness in our homes. That was the church then. I'm so thankful it's the church of today. I got a card from the Tysons. The Tyson family had made me a little card and I was so encouraged to see all the kids and and mom and dad, too, having wrote little notes of encouragement 
after last Sunday. That's the church. Pat Buttermore uh, has a connection with many of our older single senior ladies, and she was calling around doing some wellness checks just to make sure everybody's doing okay, make sure that no one slips through the cracks. That's the church. That's what the church is designed to be. This morning, as I was scratching some notes for this sermon, I'm hearing Jeff Martin and Gary Brown teach a a class via Zoom to the teens. And I know that Sam Corcoran is teaching a class uh, online to many people as well. That's the church. You see, Satan can, can affect so much of the world, but he cannot stop the church. God's people doing God's will. There's a thousand and one examples of that. But I want to encourage you to be reminded that the church is still very much open and very much alive and very much present. And by the way, if you're watching this live stream and you have a physical need or a spiritual need, please send an email to office at northsidecoc.org. And we will find some way to help minister to you. We want to help you. We believe that's what the church is all about. Back to Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction and with the comfort with, we are, are, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, we're comforted by God for a reason. Now, I give you the first part of the message to comfort you, to remind you that God is still with you. He hasn't left you. He's still just as faithful as he's always been. But as you've been given that comfort, You now have a responsibility to steward that comfort, to take the comfort that you've received from God and give it to someone else. How could you comfort others this week? How could you comfort your coworkers if you're still around your coworkers? How could you be a comforting presence on your Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram? How could you be a comforting present to a next-door neighbor? How could you be a comforting presence to a grandparent or a great-grandparent? Be thinking of how you can comfort other people. That is our mission as a church, to not only receive comfort from God, but to be dispensers of it. May Christians, may God's people continually remind the world that there is hope. There are so many examples of the church working, and and may we continue to see May we continue to see the church in action. May we continue to see her faithful and bold. I was looking at scripture this morning. Therefore, since we have such hope. Well, this is 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we are very bold. Now at the time when the world is retreating, when everyone's scared and panicking, may we boldly give comfort and hope to a world that needs it so badly. No, the church is not closed. Remember how I told you that the story of Scripture again and again is God coming closer and closer until finally he came closest to us in Jesus Christ, God with us? I want you to look at one more verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 
1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Now look at this. Paul says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You, those of you watching who are in Christ and have the Holy Spirit within you, God is in you. God's not just close to you. He's in you. He's acting through you. He's using your words. He's using your actions. He's using your smile. He's using your social media. He's using you. Oh, you can close all the church buildings you want, but the church will always be open, and the church will always be giving hope if we'll let him. So this morning, I want you to think about how you're letting the Holy Spirit of God work in your life and how you're sharing with people hope and love that we have in Jesus Christ. See, see, the key to the church is understanding that right in the middle of the word church are these two letters, you are. You are the church. And each of you is a part of it. And so though the building is closed, the church, the church is on fire. The church is bold. The church is shining brighter than maybe she ever has. And that, my friends, is a wonderful thing. May you continue to shine bright. May you not forget that God is still with us and that we are in this together. I have one final story and then we'll close. This story is from a a missionary in Wuhan, China. And it's much too long to read in detail. She's describing her experience in Wuhan, China, where this whole virus began and how it's impacted their world. And then she writes this at the very end of her report. She says this. It is possible to get past this, but it certainly takes a village to fight it. Your days don't have to be filled with dread, though. They can be filled with fun and laughter, building relationships that will last beyond these days, learning new skills, baking new recipes that you usually don't have time for, calling a friend, FaceTiming an elderly family member, exercising. Please, don't get sucked into the media. Read the good book. Read any book that you've been wanting to. Lift up your hearts to the great physician, who will never leave us or forsake us. Hang in there. It is possible to see light again. I love each of you and every one of you. Thanks for traveling this journey with me, and now I travel yours with you. Love from Wuhan, China. May we take a message of hope that we will get through this together, and the light of Christ will shine brighter than it has shone in a long time. Oh, I know that this past week and past several days have presented a number of obstacles. But my, can you just look around at all of the opportunities God has given us, not just to draw close to him, but to share hope with others. Can we not forget that we are the church? As we did last week, we're going to close this message with prayer, and I hope that you'll join us here if you're present and join us all around the world as we pray together as the church. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity every week to worship you with our whole heart, to be reminded that you are still with us and that you love us beyond our ability to fully comprehend. 
Thank you, Father, that even in the midst of these obstacles, you show yourself present and strong and faithful, as you always have been, but now our eyes have been opened to it. Father, I pray that you will fill our hearts through your Spirit with courage and boldness to not shrink back, but to boldly move forward and to be the church in whatever way that we can to share the love and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and to remind people of the promises that you've made to us. Oh God, thank you, even in the midst of, this oper- of, this, of these many obstacles that you provided so many opportunities for your church to shine. Oh, not for our glory, Father. We don't want any of that. But we want to glorify you through all of this. Father, work as only you can. Of course, we pray for an end to the virus. We pray that uh, solutions can be found, whether they are through science and medicine and the experts who are working, or, or if you just want to put your hand on it and eradicate it, that'd be just fine too. Father, we pray for an end to that. But through until that time comes, work through us to let the light shine so that they may see us and glorify you. May we reflect the goodness and the wholeness and the beauty and the love of the church of Christ. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. And and may we be reminded that you are with us, that you haven't forgotten us, and that you will never let us go. And in all of this, may we reflect the glory and the beauty of Christ in all that we say and all that we do. May the church come through this in even better shape than she was when we started. Father, I pray that you bless all of those watching this morning, all of those wherever they are, uh, be they across the city of Wichita, the state of Kansas, the the country, and even the world. Father, I pray that you'll bless them and pray that you'll keep them. I pray that your face will shine upon them and give them peace. Father, thank you for loving us, and we know that you love us because of Jesus. And it's through his holy name we pray. Amen.